0: It's great to be here. Um, I'm going to be talking on Elijah. I'm starting our series today um, on Elijah. Has anyone spent much time reading Elijah and Elisha? No? If you've not, it's going to be a full-on time for you. You see people raised from the dead. You see provision in incredible ways. You see see God doing these amazing things and challenging a nation to come back to him. You see Elijah prophesying, and one of my favourite stories is—I don't even really understand it, but maybe someone can someone better than me. There's an axe, and it falls in. The head of the axe falls in into the water, and it sinks. And this worker's really worried because it's, he's borrowed it off someone, and he's like, "Oh my goodness!" Like. I've lost the axe, and the axe is gone. And Elijah comes, and he prays, and and it floats up. This metal axe floats. Up. It's just full of the miraculous power of God. Let's just be Elijah and Elisha, just these heroes. And and actually, Elijah is someone on um, when on the Transfiguration, when Jesus is on the top of the mountain. Elijah is the one that represents the prophets of the Old Testament. He is the the radical one that God says, actually, no, this is the representation of the prophets. And some of the other prophets were pretty radical. If you're thinking of Ezekiel and Isaiah and, and Jonah, and you know, like they're the radical people. But Elijah is the most radical of all. So let's get into this. <laughs> it's going to get exciting. Uh, hold on. But one of the beauties is the, the verse. If you can have the the first screen up, the verse in James five, and it just says this. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That's all that I'm going to say. We don't read these stories and think, "Oh, wow, wasn't Elijah amazing?" Well, yeah, okay, yeah, we do, we do, we do, we do say those things. But we also say, actually, he's a human being just like me and you. He has a nature. He's a human being just like each one of us. So what I want us to do as we read these stories is think, "Okay, if Elijah saw that happen, how did Elijah see that happen?" Maybe I could see it happen. Maybe I could see provision come in incredible ways. Maybe I could see someone raised from the dead. Maybe I could see cancer go. Maybe I could see healing come. Maybe I could see people saved. Maybe I could see the kingdom come in greater measure. And that's the the teaching of this series. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed fervently and saw the power of God break in. Because really, it's all about God. It's all about the living God, the creator God, the maker God, who's caught up in our story. That's what it's all about. Today, I'm going to be focusing on prayer. Can I get a show of hands if people feel like they could preach on prayer really happily and comfortably and think, Oh, look at me, I'm good at praying. Good laugh there. I think it's one of those things that makes people kind of think, Oh, I feel a bit... Not everyone... Not everyone, but makes us feel. Oh, I could be a bit better at that. I could devote a bit more time to praying. I, I could, oh, I could pray a bit more and effectively. Well, today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to go through Elijah and Elisha, Elijah, a story in 1 Kings 17, and it's just looking at six points of how Elijah prayed that we could learn from. That we could think, oh, how am I going to connect with that? I've been, the last couple of years, I've been going on a real journey myself on just like, how do I get better at praying? How do I develop this? I, I got to a point of where I said, do you know, I'm not praying much at all. Like getting in a room and praying on my own. I'm not doing that much at all. Do I believe in the power of prayer? And that's the provocation. that I was provoked a few years ago on that, and I've been trying to go on a journey of, of committing myself to be more prayer-filled. And I've been digging in and diving in and thinking, oh God, how do I become more like Elijah in this story? So I'm just going to go through this. So it's Elijah. It's 1 Kings 17, 1 to 7, and then we're going to skip a bit. We're going to skip the best story ever, and then go into the bit at the end. But don't worry, in a couple of weeks, we're going to come back to the best story ever. Okay, so Elijah at 1 Kings 17, 1 to 7 says this. Now, Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook that is east of the Jordan and the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook and after a while, the brook dried up, because there, is no ra- there was no rain in the land. Okay, we're going to skip from there through to 1 Kings 18, verse 41. So it's right at the end of 1 Kings 18. As I say, we skip the most well-known Elijah story. And Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. We don't have a drought there, do we? <laughs> oh, we did actually in the summer. Um, so Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the mount, um, went up to Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, "Go up now, look toward the sea." And he went up to, uh, sorry, and he went up and looked, and said, "There is nothing." And he said, go again. And he said this seven times. And at the seventh seventh time, he said, behold, a cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up, and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black and the clouds and the wind and there was great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Come on. Great story. I just want to set the scene. The scene is set in 1 Kings 16. Ahab is the king. So, 1 Kings 16, verse 29. I've not got the verses up there, I apologize. Next time, that's a learning point, isn't it? If you've got your Bibles, 1 Kings 16.29 tells us about Ahab. And it tells us that Ahab became the king of Israel, God's people. But he was a terrible king. He was an awful king. And he led the people away from God. He continued in the way of the king before him in leading God's people away from God. And he led them so far that it says that he actually married someone of a different nation who was called Jezebel. Some people may have heard of Jezebel. And Jezebel led him to worshipping another god called Baal. And he set up a temple for Baal, and he set up an Asherah pole for Baal, where people would come and pray. Now, one of the things that that this Baal, this, this god of the other nation was meant to be good at, was giving rain. That was one of his main kind of... Giftings, this god, kind of, you go to him. There was lots of different gods. He was the one that you'd go to and pray for rain. So when Elijah says there's going to be no more rain for it's three and a half years until the Lord of Israel says this, he's saying Baal is terrible. (laughs) Baal is rubbish. He's putting it to him. You cannot, you cannot go to Baal and have any power. But he's coming in and he's talking to Ahab, who's leading this nation in his own way, his own selfish way. Cool. That's where we are. And Elijah's bringing this message, and he's bringing a message which is against Ahab. It's quite a dangerous thing to do, speaking against the king. Elijah kind of just shows up here. This is the first time Elijah's mentioned in 1 Kings 17. It's the first time he's spoken about. He's not spoken about before. He's not introduced. We don't know his history. We don't know all of that. All of a sudden, Elijah is in the presence of the king, condemning him. <laughs> Basically, that's what's happening. It's an amazing story, but the king is listening. He must have had a backstory of getting into the king's presence. There must have been a story of, actually, no, this guy's listening, this guy's growing, and you know, I can hear God through him. We don't know it though. He's just introduced, chucked in. It's wonderful. So what do we learn about Elijah's praying? Elijah's praying that enabled the rain to stop for three and a half years. What do we learn? The first thing that I've learned from Elijah is that Elijah got alone with God. It says in 1 Kings 18, it says in the verses we read, that Elijah spoke to the king, said to to go and eat and drink, but then he went up, onto the top of a mountain, Mount Carmel, he bowed himself down on the earth with his face between his knees. Elijah created a space and a time for God, to connect with God, to be with God. That was the first thing that Elijah did. He gets away, he draws himself away up the mountain to be with the Lord. Jesus did that all the time. You read in the Gospels, Jesus withdrew constantly. Jesus withdrew constantly. Jesus, you know, there was a time where the disciples woke up and they were like, Oh, where's Jesus gone? I can't find him anywhere. They spent ages looking for him. they just withdrawn to go and pray. Spent two days, I think it was, out of town praying and then came in. And, but this is something our culture is not very good at. Our culture is not very good at, at creating time for the Lord. Specifically for him, divided time, we're quite a distracted people, we're quite a busy people. And so I think one of the biggest challenges in prayer is actually making the time to close the door, get in our room and pray to the Lord, to separate ourselves away, to be with Him, to encounter Him. But that, that's the first challenge. And that's where my question came in: Do you actually believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe that your prayers are effective? Because if you're not doing it, actually the answer is probably not. You probably don't think your prayers are effective if you're not creating the time and space to be with the Lord. So that's our first provocation, and Elijah does it. Elijah gets himself alone with God and presses into him. So my first question to you is, how how are you doing that at the moment? How are you creating the space for the Lord in your life? Prayer walking is always good. I like prayer walking, not in this weather. But prayer walking, maybe. Maybe in this weather. Do you like the rain? If you like the rain, go out in this weather. Create space for the Lord. That's the first provocation. Create space for him. Separate yourself out. The second thing. Oh, that's another thing I want to mention that I've started to do. I heard, um, do you know John and Alan, uh, Carol Arnott? Do you know them? They led the Catch the Fire movement of churches. I, read this t- I heard this testimony a number of years ago where uh, John was really unwell, um, and someone challenged him. I think, that, I think these are the details. I could not find the talk again. But someone said to him, you know, set your watch to beep at you every 10 minutes and worship the Lord every 10 minutes and see if you get better. And he did, and he recovered, and he got better. I thought, I can't do that every 10 minutes. That'd be too distracting. But I decided to have a watch that beeps at me every hour. And it doesn't actually, it's not an alarm, it's just a signal, it just beeps. So sometimes I hear it, sometimes I don't hear it, but I I got a watch where it's like, okay, it'll beep at me. And and so I I allowed myself, I created a way for me to be distracted from what I'm doing in order to prioritize the Lord. And it's just a simple thing that I think, you know, it really works, because it actually, it snaps you out of something. And you can mean a really stressful thing, and you can think, oh, what am I doing? And it just snaps you out, and you think, okay, Lord, I need your help with this. God, I need you to be in the midst of this. God, I I want you. Help me. Lord, I worship you. I praise you. It's just a really practical thing of creating a moment in your day. If you can't spend an hour or you can't, you know, create moments in your day. The second thing is this Elijah knew exactly who God was. Exactly who God was. Where it says, uh, his declaration, he talks about the Lord. Now, in most translations of the Bible, the Lord is in capital letters, L-O-R-D. That means it's translating the word Yahweh. It's translating the, the word Yahweh. So whenever you read the Old Testament and you read Lord in capital letters, it's translating the, the, the uh, covenant name Yahweh. The, the name that was given in Exodus 3 where the Lord first presented himself to Moses and said, I am the I am. And that, that's what Elijah's going to here. He's saying actually the Lord, the, the one true God, the Lord, not Baal, not another God, not another thing, not something else that can help. He's going to Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, the one true God, Yahweh. And he whispers that, Yahweh, Yahweh. Actually, the, the song we sang at the beginning was about Jehovah. Jehovah, the word, is actually the same as Yahweh. It's the same translation uh, that came through. So when it says Lord, it says Yahweh. But, but what I also love, and I was reading Exodus 3 this week, and uh, the song Robin that you started with was really good, because actually what it does is Yahweh, whenever you read about him, he catches himself up in his people. He, he doesn't leave his people. Whenever, so you read about it and it says, tell them that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Whenever you read it, whenever you see that word Lord, he, he often says the God of Israel. He says it here, the God of Israel. He captures himself up with his people. He's not a faraway God. He's not this distant God. He is Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. But he's, he chooses to be involved in his people He chooses to be surrounded by us and catches up in it. He chooses to identify himself with his people. That's incredible, isn't it? And Elijah Elijah knows this. Elijah knows that the Lord, Yahweh, cares about his people. And that's the declaration, that's the prayer that he's making. And again, going back to Jesus, Jesus, uh, when, when the disciples, this is an encouraging thing. Do you know the one place in the Bible where the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something was about prayer? That's, that's the one place. He said, teach us how to pray. Yeah, so uh, that encourages me anyway. Teach us how to pray, Lord, give us help. Um, but um, I forgot where I was now. Jesus starts the Lord's Prayer with our Father. Our Father. And that's another way of us just saying, you know, that that is an identification with who God is and who we are. We have to remember who God is when we come to him. He's our Father. Abba Father, the one who loves us, the one that's intimately connected. I love the moment. Robert. I keep talking about you. I'll keep talking about you anyway. What's your son's name? Ezra. I loved it when he came here. I, honestly, I really loved it. It, it was... You know, I just I saw him looking up to you with his little guitar, and he just wants to be like you. And, and it's, it's amazing, because actually that's, that's a picture of who we should be with the Father. We should be looking up to the Father thinking, I just want to be like you, Father. I just want to be more like you. And, and, and for that, we need to get close, and we need to, to cause some trouble, and we need to, you know, just, we need to do that. But it's wonderful the presence, you know, that we can have with the Father, and we can get to know Him, and He allows us to get to know Him. It's a a wonderful thing. The the second thing that we have to remember is that the Father wants to be known by us, and wants us to know Him. And as we pray, as we spend time with Him, that's a real key thing. I have to hurry up because it's as the youth come in. So, how are you doing in that? Are you getting to know the Lord? One thing that I've been practicing doing is reading Deuteronomy 6 at the beginning of my day. And it's just like the Lord is one Lord. He is God. He is Yahweh. That's what the Jews do. And it's what we should do. And it says we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul and mind. And that's one way of just getting to know and remembering who the Lord is in our day. Okay, I'm going to race through the next six. (laughs) I can't count the next four. (laughs) The next thing that he did, uh, Elijah submitted himself to the Lord. He submitted himself. What we did this morning, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. I can't remember what it is now. 1 Peter 5, 17, I think. (coughs) Yeah? Helen's nodding, so it must be right. (coughs) Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you at the right time. Elijah knew that if he was to see the power of God at work at In his life, he had to humble himself. And he humbled himself by getting down on his knees, putting his head between his legs, and just praying and praying and praying. He humbled himself. There's no more humbled position than that. He came in humility. He couldn't do it, but he knew one who could do it. He knew the maker of heaven and earth who was all-powerful on this earth now, El Shaddai, the mighty one. And I think something else I just wanted to mention in there is, is confession. And I think the practice of confession is really important. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. That means he was a human and he failed sometimes. That means that it was important for him to get before the Lord. It describes him in James as a righteous man. So he was obviously righteous before the Lord, which meant that he had to confess his sins before the Lord. Confession is a really important part of our lives. We all are people who fall short of the glory of God, and we all need to go to him and pray. 12 o'clock, I'll tell you what that is now. That's the other way that I'm using this watch this year. I've set an alarm for 12 o'clock okay? every single day. To pray for my non-Christian friends every day, because I'm I'm sick of them not coming to know Jesus. I'm tired of it, and so actually, let's just let's just pray now. Let's just, Father, I thank you that you're the God that loves people. I thank you that you love everyone that we know, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that your word says that you desire none to perish but all to come to know you, Lord Jesus. So we declare now, Lord Jesus, and we speak life and salvation over our friends, our family, our work colleagues, our neighbours, Lord Jesus. We just speak life over them, Lord Jesus. Come and have your way, Lord Jesus. Bring salvation in, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Sorry, that was an example. <clears throat> the next thing he did was he prayed for specific things. So Elijah didn't just pray generally. He, didn't get, he, he prayed for specific things to happen. Specifically, he prayed that the rain would stop and it stopped. Specifically, he prayed that the rain would start and it started. He prayed in line with the word of the Lord. And that's what we have to do. And we have to pray for specific things to happen. Now, the problem is when those specific things don't happen, we can allow disappointment to come in. Sometimes that happens. And over Christmas, I was processing something where I had stopped. Pr- I, I was reading a book, and I was re- it was talking about the testimony of God doing things. And, and I, I had to recall the fact that I had stopped praying for specific things because of a specific disappointment in my life where God hadn't healed someone. And I had to just process that through. <coughs> But as you process it through, you start to think, okay, God, but you are Yahweh. You are the Lord, the maker. I trust you. I know you have a greater plan. I know that I'm caught up in your plan. And you, you have to process these things because if not, you stop believing for the specific things to happen and you stop believing and praying for the specific things to happen. And we need to be people who believe that God is active on this earth, who can do the almighty things that he says he can do. That's what we have to be. We have to be those people And so we have to process those disappointments in our hearts and minds. We have to process them. We have to speak to people about them. We have to be honest about them. And we have to say, okay, we have to make a decision. I'm going to believe again. And we have to start praying for the specific things again. In James 4, it says, We do not have because we do not ask. We need to ask people, we need to ask specific things. And then it says in James 4.3, we do not ask because we ask with the wrong motive. So what is our motive in asking for these things? That's something else we need to to think through? And again, that's why I set my watch at 12 p.m. every day to pray for a very specific thing. Very specifically that people would get saved. Very specifically, I've got a list of people in my diary uh, and I, I just wrote it down because I know I forget otherwise. And so I just open my diary. It's the first page of my diary for the year. And I just have it in front of me and I just pray for those specific people, name by name, just every day at 12 o'clock. And don't be religious about it. You might miss a day. (laughs) You might might not do it every day. But just just create habits. Prayer doesn't happen by accident. You won't accidentally fall into a position of praying every day. Decision. You have to make decision and choice to do it. The fifth thing... He persevered in prayer Seven times He sent his servant down to check Seven times Imagine you you were the servant Just, Just imagine You have to go down the mountain To the sea to have a look Nope, nope, not there Back up the mountain to Elijah Nope, nothing there And he sends him seven times again and again Imagine what the servant's thinking Oh come on, it's not happening Elijah persevered in prayer. He pressed in and he held on to what God had said and he pressed down and he got himself down and he said, Come on, Lord, these are your promises. This is what you have promised. This is what you've spoken. This is what you have done. And again and again, how many times have we stopped on three? How many times have we stopped on four? How many times have we stopped on six? Think about that. If you stop on six, the seventh time it's going to. I can't promise you every time, seven times it's going to happen. But how many times have we stopped? God, We humble ourselves unto God under his plan, under his timing, and at the right time, he will exalt us. I believe that we need to be people who are persevering. I love that story in Luke 18, where the the widow is, uh, Jesus says that there's this judge who is a horrible judge, and there's this widow who really wants something to happen, uh, and he says, this is, this is, let's not get there. He says this widow just keeps on begging and nagging and, 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 and badgering this judge until this judge goes, oh, I can't take this woman any longer. Stop nagging me. Have what you want. That's what Jesus is teaching us on prayer. <laughs> but he says, how much more is the father who is a good father, a merciful father, how much more will he answer the prayers of those who keep coming to him? If a judge is going to do it, who doesn't really care for the woman. How much more is this father going to do it? Perseverance in prayer, the persistent widow. Let's get in there. Let's keep on knocking, seeking, asking, knowing that God listens and does. The sixth thing is this He listened and He obeyed. So He created space in His prayer to hear what God was saying, to listen to what God was saying. He stilled Himself enough to be able to hear this is, okay, this is the word of the Lord. This is what he's asking me to do. A good example is the fact that he... he, he, Who knows that you wouldn't speak to the king without a word of the Lord? (laughs) You wouldn't speak in the way that Elijah spoke to the king without a word from the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord. But then he also heard the word of the Lord which directed his next footstep. He said, go over there. And as he did that, he saw the provision of God. And I think we, we can be these people. We can be these people who hear from God if we create the time and space to hear, to hear his word. And we can follow after him. And as we follow after him, as we do the things, the things that don't really make sense. Why would I go and live near a brook? Like there's no provision there unless God is going to do what God is, says he's going to do. So sometimes it takes kind of trust and faith in obedience to hearing and doing the word of God. This series is all about, it's all about us being disciples of the Most High God. Not part of the crowd, but being disciples of the Most High God. And as we are disciples, as we press in, as we follow him, as we, as we press in in prayer, we will see God do amazing things. This is my encouragement to you this year. Sit down and think about these, six, I think on the next slide. I made two great slides, they're really productive. Lizzie always has a girt me in the office about how rubbish my slides are, but it's okay. You can talk to her about that. It's a joke, so she's, she's better than me. It's fair enough. But just think about these six things. How are you doing these things? How are you choosing to do these things? How are you pressing in in prayer? How, this year, are you going to have a better prayer life than you did last year? How, this year, are you going to learn to recognize what God is doing in your life and praise him and thank him for him. How in this year are you going to press in for the more of his kingdom to come? Do you know his promise is that his kingdom will come in greater measure? Greater measure from beginning of time until the end of time. How are we believing that? The kingdom of God. Are we believing that for our workplaces? Are we believing that for our families? are we believing that for our neighborhoods? Do you know I read, I read an article and I, I don't mean to offend If you live in Hatfield, has anyone else read this article? But it's been voted the worst place to live in Britain (laughs) for 2023. (laughs) I didn't. But you know, I'm sorry. But you know what that means? That means it's a great place for a church to be. It does. It's, it means it's a great place for you guys to be and to live and to shine out. It's a great place for you to bring the love of Jesus in greater measure. It's a great opportunity for that mum's group to happen or that parent's group. Don't call it mum's group. Are you in there? I've been looking after my child for ages and mum's groups are terrible because you can't go. But, but having a group where, where you can go and take your children is... It's a great thing, a real opportunity, the amount of conversations you get to have just with people. It's amazing. People just open up and share and talk, and it's like, oh, okay, good. Can I pray for you? you know, it's a simple thing. It happens all the time in the groups I go to. But it's a great opportunity living in Hatfield. It's a great opportunity being here to shine the love of Jesus into this neighborhood. I want to end now. I'm going to invite Robin back. And and Ezra. Is Ezra not coming? <laughs> <laughs> Has he got his guitar? Excellent stuff. Is it a guitar or a ukulele? It's a guitar, come on. And I actually just want to end... What, what key are you playing in? What chord? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't know music. <laughs> I just want to encourage us to stand now. And I think I'd like you just to, to turn to a neighbor or two or three people around you. And I would just like you to pray either specifically for someone at your workplace, someone in your neighborhood. Something that you want to do, this it would be good to pray for the, the um, group as it begins again. But just pray for the kingdom of God to come in greater measure this year. Yeah? So just get in twos or threes or fours and just pray. Father, I just uh, want to thank you that each prayer that you've heard this morning, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the one that loves to answer prayer. And I pray, Lord Jesus, across this room, I pray for our friends, our neighbours, Lord Jesus, this neighbourhood. I pray, Lord Jesus, for faith to arise in us, for your kingdom to come, Lord. I pray that your kingdom would come this year, Lord Jesus, in a greater way than it has in the years gone by, Lord Jesus. That we'd see your kingdom come in greater measure, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, we want to be your disciples. We want to follow you. So I pray for each heart in here, Lord Jesus, that we would be people who say yes to you, who create room for you, Lord Jesus, who prioritize you, who get to know you better. I pray that you would help us learn this year to pray in an effective way, Lord Jesus, a powerful and effective way, Lord Jesus, so that your kingdom does come through us, Lord. We submit ourselves to you, knowing that you are the living God, the God who identifies with us, your people, The God who wants to be known, Lord Jesus. The God who seeks and saves the lost. The the God who cares for us, Lord. And we just say, we are yours, Lord Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Amen.